Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm driving down La Synergia Boulevard from the north of LA to the south of LA, going to Hermosa Beach where George Best once had a bar. We're going to go there and I'm going to go across to the Stub Hub Centre where Manchester United will play AC Milan. I was researching Milan yesterday. Really interesting their, their fall from being the best team in the world and while I was doing it, Jamie Carragher rang me by chance and I said to him, can you just tell me about how good that Milan team were? You played in two European Cup finals and I'm staying with a Milan fan. I'll probably get him on the podcast um, in Los Angeles and they, they were the third richest team in the world after United and Real Madrid. And now Leicester City have got a higher revenue than AC Milan. I mean, this is a team who've won seven European Cups. It just staggers me. And they've had massive problems. They're now owned by a US hedge fund. Uh, they don't get the best players anymore. So I'm going to go and watch United against Milan. But about an hour before I was going, I received a text message from the two gentlemen from Manchester who we, la- we left on the podcast on Sunday, stranded at a train station. So I was pleased, first of all, that they are alive. And two, they're asking what I was doing. So I've offered them a lift down right across LA. I feel they're a couple of years younger than me. I feel I, I can remember what I was like when I was their age. Right? So, lads, when we left the podcast the other day, yeah. you'd had a few beers. Yeah. You, were, you were the last person out the stadium yeah. in Santa Clara. You were by yourself in a train station, not knowing where you were going next. The only thing you knew was that you had an early morning flight from San Francisco, which you thought was shit, yeah. to Los Angeles. What happened after I left you? Well, from there, after we seen you, I mean, I barely even remember seeing you. It was only until Callum reminded me the day after. We actually jumped so when on... I'm speaking yeah. to you, you, yeah. you. How many pints yeah. did you add? Oh, I don't Well, we, we was on the car park from nine o'clock in the morning for a two o'clock kickoff. Obviously, drinking all the way through the game. What would you estimate? I'd say about 20, 25 pints, easy. <laughs> Which, uh, you, you can't remember seeing me on I, I, I can't really remember seeing you until, until I listened to the podcast this morning and, uh, and you, you were saying to us oh, we've found two lonely souls here in the mid-20s where are you from <laughs> that's when it actually clicked to me that we seen you so that, that and you said that the, the train had just left so we were sat there waiting about another 20 minutes I think for the next train realised we were going in the wrong direction so got off at the next stop in which uh, I then ordered an Uber to this pool party, what we got invited to by the uh, the Bay Area San Francisco Reds. Right. So we went to this pool party, which was a, it was just just outside Oakland. Where? Uh, Pleasanton, California. Right. Pleasanton. I didn't. I'd never heard of that two weeks ago, but I was. Uh, Franz Hoek, who's the United goalkeeper coach under Louis van Gaal, he's living there at the moment, so I was going to go and see him there. So I have heard of it, but yeah. I didn't get to it. I might meet him in Los Angeles, and you went to a pool party there. Yeah, we were, yeah. So, uh, run by all these Californian Yeah, reds. pretty much so, yeah. And it was, yeah. I was in full swing, and it was, you, it was and full swing, you yeah. two walk in having consumed 20 pints of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. What happened then? Well, we, we walked through the side gate. Um, well, I opened the gate, walked through. Callum come running from behind me. Dived into the swimming pool, everyone's cheering, chanting, United, United. I was laughing my head off. He jumps out of the pool, he's like, oh no, my phone's in my pocket, my bank card's in my pocket, his passport was in his pocket. So then we went over to the table, he gets, his, gets empties all his pockets, and thinks, then we just went, oh, fuck this, and jumped back in the pool. Completely ob- ob- oblivious to what had just happened. He just got back in the pool and then shouted for me, oh, Ryan, go and get us a beer. So his phone's on the side, his passport's on the side, which is damaged, and we've got a flight six hours later. And uh, yeah, it was just. <laughs> Callum, does that uh, version of events tally with yours? Did you just jump just into the pool? Right, and what, yeah. what happened when you, you I jumped mean, into the pool? I haven't got a bank card anymore. Uh, my passport's damaged. I'm literally. All the American airports just going off my word that it's a genuine passport. Uh, I haven't got a phone anymore. Uh, not exactly what's money. 
But um, I, we go I again, would. I'd pay money to see an image of you walking in to a pool party yeah. and just just jumping in. You were sunburned. You're a big lad. <laughs> you just yeah. You had to load the piers. Uh, I had a passport mishap myself on this trip. Came in through Canada, and uh, everything was going well. All the flights, unlike yours, were on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a good seat on the plane, and I'm thinking. This is just going to, well, it's one of them where you arrive at the airport, no queues at passport control, yeah. there's a metro straight outside. It yeah. was just going really yeah. well. Um, met a great lad in, in in Montreal, and then I got up the next morning and I couldn't find my passport. And I was going to go to Ottawa and then into the United States. Yeah. I've, got two, I've got two visas for the United States, yeah. and I need two because I went to Iran to interview Carlos Quieros in 2014. Uh, if you have an Iran stamp in your passport, you cannot apply for an ETSA, which yeah. is the normal visa to get in the States. Yeah. It took, took me six or seven months to get these visas to go out in the United States. I had to go to the US Embassy. I had to say, I'm a journalist. This is what I do. Uh, this is my work. This is why I went yeah. to Iran. And I got passed up this chain of command with people in the US Embassy. You could just see you were getting smarter people each time. Yeah. And then this lad um, said, I don't know too much about soccer, but I know exactly the newspaper that you were covering it for. It's a very good newspaper. Um, would you like a five or a ten year? Would yeah. you like a tourist or I think it's a B1? B1, yeah, yeah. And then that passport with all that in. You'd lost. Nowhere. Yeah. 7 a.m., <laughs> I'm on a noon train. Nowhere. I shit myself. Yeah. Uh, I rang the metro, nothing had been handed in. I rang the trains, nothing had been handed in. I rang the police, but I didn't want to report it stolen, nothing had been handed in. I rang the British Embassy, and they're absolutely brilliant when things go wrong. Yeah. I had it in 10 years ago when I didn't have enough space in my passport in Paris. They're yeah. just like, you're a British citizen, we're going to help you out. It's amazing, because, yeah. you know, some, some bureaucracy can be a pain sometimes. And I got put through to the emergencies in London. And she said, we'll issue you with an emergency passport. You go into Ottawa, it's the best place to go to. That's where the, the capital city. Um, but you can only fly home with that. You're no chance of getting into America. Oh. And I've come here to go to America. Yeah. So I tried to ring the US Embassy in Ottawa. I got passed around the phone system. I just thought, I'm not going to America. How can I even begin to explain that I've been to Iran and I've got a special passport? I can't even apply for an ETSA. At 9am, the Bell Centre, where I'd been to see a concert, opened. Um, I said, just on the off chance, have you had a passport handed in? Uh, what's your name? Um, and they said, yes. Oh, God. And I was just like, <laughs> highlighted a year. I told me, she went, you're going to lose your head one of these days. <laughs> it's funny you should talk about... Uh with the Iran stamps well I went out to Moscow last year to watch United and obviously they put this big page in your passport don't they the Russian visa yeah. so I was worrying about going I went to the, to the States a couple of, a couple of weeks after on, on, a, on a holiday and um, I've got this Russian visa and I'm thinking as soon as I give this to the immigration customs officer he's going to be questioning me about it he sort of opened the passport flipped through the pages looked at this Russian visa and looked at me and went did you have a good time <laughs> it's like so they could be brilliant you know what I mean but yeah, yeah I mean it's good that you say that the, U the, the UK embassy over here are good because I think we're Callum and over here I think we're going to have to deal with them at some point before we go back so it's good to hear that they're good to get along with you know what I mean and they, they help you out so I've just had two experiences where the shit is really at the fan and they're just like your, your taxes pay for us and they're just brilliant I just remember getting a full passport issued in Paris in 2008 within a day although the lady this time told me that that's no longer possible we don't do that anymore so Callum um, I don't know what you're going to do with your passport but I'm sure that your your trip will be eventful as it has been so far you thought San Francisco was shit what do you think of LA I don't think LA is great no it's very it's very big I mean we, 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 because, because we after we got back from that pool party we were there till 3 o'clock we were flying obviously from San Fran to LA at 6 so we went back to San Fran, picked up our bags, went straight to the airport, come to LA, and we were just dying all day. So we literally, we didn't do much Monday, but yesterday we uh, took an Uber up to the Walk of Fame, had a walk down there, um, up to the Hollywood sign, went out and had something to eat. And I mean, from that end, from that end of the city, yeah, it's brilliant. But 
anyway I've not been downtown yet I've not been to Santa Monica yet so I can't comment on them areas but from what I've seen so far better than San Fran because I've not got no homeless throwing fireworks outside my hotel so that's a good start <laughs> In, individually parts of LA are, are, are superb and it's just a collect. It's like like London's a collection of villages. It's a collection of towns. It's just massive, and the public transport's really poor because historically, uh, they ripped up the railroads because the, the the politicians were being paid by the car companies and they wanted everyone to drive cars. So it was about money. So LA started its public transport metro project 50 years behind, 100 years behind some other North American cities. And it, I'm going to go to the Derby on Thursday between the two LA teams. And it, it's called uh, Any Spares. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if I turn, turn up with you two. Um, it's called El Trafico. El Trafico? Yeah, because well, I mean, look at it <laughs> now. Yeah, it no, just, yeah, no, it's, yeah it's, it's mad madness. I went to see some Reds last year in Huntingdon Beach and they said it before 45 minutes. I've still not quite forgiven them because it took me twice that time. It's just the traffic's We went on a beer run to the shop last night and walking down the streets at 11 o'clock at night and it was. It was, like, it was unbelievable the amount of traffic on the roads at 11 o'clock at night. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you, you drive down the M60 at 11 o'clock at night on a weekday night, and it's you know what I mean. There's no, there's nobody around. I think there's 14 million people live in the Los Angeles urban area, so it's it's just just huge. And yeah. you, you see the showbiz. I mean, I drove down Sunset Boulevard yesterday to where United were training, and I saw Jose Mourinho do his press conference, and he doesn't look the happiest. But I can understand why he's not happy because he's not got his players, and it's like doing your job without. You know, if you asked me to do my job without a computer, it'd be very difficult. And then I watched the players train. Really, really hot. I think the world's having a. A, um, a global heat wave at the moment. I need to look after you, Callum. Have you got sun cream today? <laughs> I have, mate. Actually, yeah. I supplied it before we come on. Look at that. Why is a sheep? What are you drinking? Um, basically, what they call over here is the margaritas. They're only $3 a can. Uh, they're about 900 millilitres, all different flavours, 80%. So, uh, 8%? All you need is three or four cans. He's had six of them already. It's only How many have you had? Six and it's quarter one. Have you seriously had six? Yeah. It's twelve forty-five in the morning. About half past ten, and he said he was three cans in. So <laughs> you're drinking eight percent cans. <laughs> what have I let myself in for taking you two down today? Um, are you hoping that the tour picks up a bit? Because because I, I am football-wise. Not yet. It's not going to be. I mean, yet. I mean, I, I've I've probably seen a combined. Five I've probably seen a combined twenty minutes of both games, and both games have debated not going in and just staying in the bar or staying on the tailgate in car park. I mean, I know we've come out here to watch United, but that first game in Phoenix was was we went from the party bus into the stadium. The stadium was half empty. And it was just, it was, it was a letdown after the party yeah, bus. Yeah, it was quite a contrast. Yeah, it was, it was a letdown after the party bus, certainly. You but don't get me wrong, mate. This is my first pre-season tour. I've, apart from the 16-hour delay at JFK on the way in, I think it's, it's been absolutely superb. If you buy match day five and six, though, players are going to start turning up. We're going to start getting results. These stadiums are going to start feeling a bit more happy about it. Legs are going to start obviously getting a bit more energy into them, and obviously pre season is going to start kicking in. Callum, who calls it match day five and six? It's proper of your generation of the UEFA kids. We're playing Liverpool, just say the Liverpool <laughs> yeah, game Liverpool or the Real Madrid yeah. game. Um, Callum, do you remember? Marijuana delivered. <laughs> there's, a, there's a big sign there <laughs> saying marijuana delivered. Enjoy this moment. I think it must be legal in some shape or form in California. Is, I think it was actually legal in California, it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was legal in Colorado when I was there. Uh, I last, thought it was legal time. in all states, to be fair. It might be. Yeah, you would, though, wouldn't you, Callum? Callum, can you remember grabbing the microphone at one of the tailgate parties before the game the other day and singing Not 19 Forever by the Cortinas? I can, Andy. <laughs> I'm glad you can remember I've actually, that. I've, I've, I've actually got the footage as well. If um, if you want me to send it to oh, you, right, it's already already <laughs> it's already gone out there. People have already been commenting on it. I believe and, uh, actually this morning you thought I was going to sell out the Coliseum. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten that bit actually. Then. So we're going to go to Hermosa Beach, and George Best moved here in the 1970s at the tail end of his career, and he opened a bar called Besties, and it's called the Underground now, but it's still full of. Um, best memorabilia I've not been but I've known about it for a long long time so we're just going to do one of these drives across LA which seems to take forever but it only seems on a map to be about 20 minutes from where the, the game is and I'm going to go to the tailgate outside the, the Stubhub Centre I saw, saw United play there last year 
and uh, against LA Galaxy in an atrocious match actually LA Galaxy's reserves and United just battered them so I'd like to see a bit more of that although Milan are not a bad side well six in Syria um, would be historically disgraceful for AC Milan but they should certainly be stronger than the reserve team of San Jose Earthquakes this journey continues but at least the two lads are safe there's very few travelling United fans who've made it over the Atlantic to watch the Reds on their 2018 pre-season tour. But fans can watch every pre-season tour game live and exclusive on MUTV. Live games include friendlies against Club America and San Jose Earthquakes before United enter the ICC tournament facing the likes of AC Milan, Liverpool and Real Madrid. United then fly back to England and on to Bavaria for a final game against Bayern Munich on August the 5th. United fans can find MUTV on Sky Channel 418 and it costs just £7 a month with no contract to watch all six games. Search MUTV Sky or go to Channel 418 to find out more info or to watch pre-match build-up for free ahead of each game. Just been to Hermosa Beach and we went to the underground bar which was called Besties and George Best owned it in the 1970s and was a very regular customer there. He used to sit at the end of the bar, order his favourite drink. And he loved being anonymous there because he was a big star in Europe. It was Beatlemania as far as Best was concerned. He was the best and most famous footballer. He was good looking. Everybody wanted a piece of him. And he escaped that for the anonymity that was afforded to him in, in Hermosa Beach. And it's quite upscale, it's quite a wealthy area. There's loads of bars by the beach. There's like girls walking around in bikinis. You could see why George Best would be heavily attracted to a place like that. Uh, there were a couple more United fans in there. Um, Merrick and Dino, who are Manchester lads, and they've moved over to America. And we're going to drive now to the tailgating party outside the Stub Hub, which is where it's owned by LA Galaxy. Still got um, Ryan and Callum in the car. Ryan's 25, Callum's 18, and they were just telling me uh, how much they drank on the way here. Callum, you've arrived at Manchester Airport. How many drinks did you have? 18, 19 cans. So the signs at Manchester Airport, and it's, if I remember rightly, it's a, um, a traffic light signal. One, is green okay two be careful three is red don't go on a plane having had three pints it's been a big issue this year and, and you had 17 yeah we, were you not just blind drunk no no we're all right um we're all right and then the virgin start playing absolute tunes <laughs> on, the, um, on the plane <laughs> and, then, and then they started offering unlimited beer so that was dangerous <laughs> what what tunes did Virgin right tell me because you've got a clearer it recollection it was um, a razor give a little respect so as everyone can imagine it's, it's a bit of a party tune it gets the people going so you know what, what did mean? Callum start doing oh he was just dancing down the aisles clapping his hands his businessmen sat there drinking coffees on the way to New York for meetings or whatever they do and pissed up Callum gets on at 1pm in the afternoon after having 17 pints in the airport bar um, and, and and he's having an impromptu disco what did the air stewardesses say or air stewards well we, we, to be fair we only got we only got told to be quiet once and, and, he, and he went even louder after that really were you allowed to drink on the plane yeah I was allowed to drink on the plane and to be fair we, bo we both had our fair share but he had he had far more I mean, we're starting our descent into New York. The, the captain comes on, he says, right, obviously, we're starting our landing into New York. The, so the stewardess sits down, buckles up a seat, and he's still asking her for a pint, for a can. <laughs> what did the yeah. stewardess say? Well, the first one, she was sound. She actually gave me one on descent. Uh, <laughs> and then the second one, obviously, when everyone's buckling up for landing, you know, three, four hundred metres from the, from the ground. Uh, she wants she want best place. She was just like, sit down. Were you drinking cans? And if so, how many do you estimate you had from Manchester to New York? Uh, there was about 18, 19 cans of tiger. Just ca tiger it was. Uh, it was lovely. No, it was a really nice pair. Version uh, Atlantic Unlimited. Yeah, about 18, 19 cans. And it's really, really good, really good stuff. So I could buy in total of about 40 then, yeah. yeah. So, so you've had. 36, 37 drinks. <laughs> I'd be on my back with seven these days. Yeah. 
how were you feeling? Did you not worry about immigration? Did you not think you should be responsible for him? <laughs> well, I, I stopped drinking about three hours before we landed because I could see how smashed he was. And one of us has got to be responsible coming into the United States of America. And it weren't going to be Callum, was it? So I had to take one for the team and I had to stop drinking a couple of hours before we landed because otherwise it had just been no, you're on the next plane back to Manchester and we didn't want that, did we? Having spent six months planning the USA tour and it cost, cost us the best part of £5,000 to get out here as it is. So, And getting into the United States past Homeland Security. Do you know the funny thing? We thought it was going to be dead difficult, do you know what I mean, getting in. We both come in on arrival. Honestly, it was easier than getting into bloody CS, CSF. <laughs> do you know what I mean, Tenerife? It was like, literally, honestly. Tenerife South. Four fingers here, four fingers there, where you staying? We're staying here, that's fine. Honestly, go through. I, I was shitting myself at the time because obviously I knew how tough America was getting to get into. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and I had a few. And you'd had the best part of four drinks. Yeah, but it was um, yeah, it was four things. I saw there, a book was, uh, was at the end of last year. Carry on. A book called The Pint Men of Dublin, and it was about these legendary drinkers of Dublin. Who, well, one of them was famous because he could put put down or put back thirty pints of Guinness a day. And there's a picture of him, and he just looks like a, a sad old man with a massive pot beer belly. Because if you're doing 30 <laughs> pints a day, and it raises all sorts of questions. Where does the money come Andy, from? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you've got a pot <laughs> beer belly. Nor that you're a, a renowned drinker enough to get in a book called The Pint Men of, of Dublin, but these people were heroes. Yeah. That, like, people really respected, not the fact that they were alcoholics killing themselves, but... Respect that they sold the beer, yeah. and in some cases, it, it kept them alive. The camaraderie, yeah, and a, a sense of purpose. They got immune to it. Maybe yeah. a doctor would know um, more, more than I, I would. What do you think of America, Callum? It's your first time here. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's been making a documentary, which is hilarious. Called I think it's What Is America or Why Is America. Uh, as an 18-year-old lad from Manchester, what have you made of? the world's richest country um, so I have enjoyed my trip here to be fair uh, it's been alright but from what I've seen state to state I mean we've done quite a few so far already um, I reckon all, all states quite familiar um, so you're just lying now you're, t- you're telling me before that you didn't think it was all that no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. in terms of next year no it was no they're all the same they are all the same the only, <laughs> they're not all the same the only difference is San Francisco is a shit hole <laughs> but in, term, in terms of other states they're all pretty similar they're not though are they yeah Callum, New Orleans is absolutely nothing like Boston well, I've you not know, done all New Orleans you've, you've been to two places three places <laughs> and, you know, you're saying that Miami's the same as as San Francisco, <laughs> it's, ju- it's just not. No, it's I've not. just, I've just, I've not just said that San Francisco is a shithole. <laughs> yeah, so you've also just said that all states are the same. And in terms of not. LA, in terms of LA, <laughs> um, in terms of Miami, um, in terms of Phoenix, I, I've enjoyed all the same experiences, exactly the same. Um, they have been the same. The food, the weather, uh, the drinks. Not uh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I would like to do somewhere else next year. So we're pulling up to uh, uh, going up to the Stubhub Centre now. So we're going to do another another tailgate. By the tailgate, close to there's tacos going around here. With a couple of the lads from the Los Angeles Reds, Gabriel, tell us about the LA Reds. Are you from LA? I am born and raised in Los Angeles. Whereabouts? I was born in Huntington Park, California. Right. So is that very different to Huntington Beach? Very different. Very different. It's about 37 miles apart. Right. Your reaction tells me that. Go on. Why is it different? What type of area is it? Uh, if know, I walked down there tonight singing Manchester La 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 by myself, what would happen? <laughs> They're probably thinking you're just a madman, like, what's this guy talking about? Right, so leave me alone because <laughs> yeah. I'm mad. No, just uh, an area really central with, uh, you know, your Mexicans, Central Americans, a lot of Latin, little Latin America. Yeah. So a big football area. Yeah. If Mexico very, are in the World Cup, it's... Yes, uh, it's a huge football community. Um, if you go there any day when Mexico won, like, against uh, Germany, 
uh, you would have entered a city just uh, chaos, people just going mad. Um, and your you background, were, you were born here, but your, your heritage is Mexico. I, uh, Mexico. Hablas yeah, español. Sí, hablo español. You can vale. see. Para uh, los, uh, puro mexicano. Muy bien. Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, but I'm very strong to my roots. And the, describe the Mexican community in Los Angeles. It's huge now. Uh, Mexican community in Los Angeles, it's, it's huge. Uh, well, I, would like think, I would think, I would think, and they, they always say we're a minority, but I do not think so. I think we're, uh, you know, um, definitely not a minority here. I think uh, Mexicans and Latin Americans are what makes up um, a greater Los Angeles and just makes it a great working class community. And, you know, we all, you know, here with different backgrounds, but all together we're all one. You know. So coming out of that background, what attracted you to Manchester United? Uh, football, growing up. My father had me playing since I was a little kid. And uh, at first, I didn't like it. Um, I grew up in an era when Michael Jordan was just dominating basketball. So I wanted to play basketball. But then growing up, eighth grade, ninth grade, I started playing a lot more football. And, of course, seeing the likes of David Beckham, you know, and the, and the highlights of Adidas with, made, drove me to United. And then I just started doing my own uh, research and history, and you know, I fell in love with the club. You know, how can you not fall in love with uh, the, the rich history that such a club like United has? What's your story? You're from, where are you from in L.A.? Born and raised in Los Angeles as well. Um, I'm from a little bit... Uh, the region I was born and raised in is called the South Bay. Locally, it's, it's known as the South Bay. Um, it's a little bit more coastal. So Gabriel is a little bit more inland in, in his neighborhood. I'm just south of what we know as downtown Los Angeles, just south. Long Beach, places like that? North of Long Beach, north so closer Beach. to downtown. So, so somewhere between Santa Monica yeah, and Long Beach. Yeah. That coastal neighborhood what, so of you, about five or six cities is known as the South Bay. So you, you live in LAX, uh, pretty much. Right. Yes, I, I, in fact, which terminal? The apartment complex that I grew up in is about 135 uh, meters from the first terminal of LAX. Seriously, it was a further walk to my high school. It, I, I walked wow. further to school than I would have walked to LAX. And close to there is Manchester Boulevard, no? Yes. Tell me about. Yeah. I know nothing uh, about Manchester Boulevard so, so, apart from it's a ma major ma road ma in LA. Ma Tell me Manchester, something interesting. Manchester about Boulevard it. is is uh, one of the more historic roads in in Los Angeles. Um, the first place, if you probably Google Manchester Boulevard, the Forum, the Forum, the Great Western Forum, as it's known today, is one of the most important venues in Los Angeles. It's where the the Lakers played. It's where the yep. Los Angeles Kings played. It's where the LA Sparks played. Um, and it's now a very famous concert venue. One of the best acoustics in Los Angeles. So, Morrissey will play there. Oasis has played there. And Bruce Morrissey is, is very there. popular with the Morrissey. Mexican community. Morrissey is very popular Amazing, with the it? American yes. community. It's, yeah. it's, it's, but I've read that, that. it's a, got a big following in Mexico. A massive yeah. following in Mexico. Why? So, just to wrap up Manchester Boulevard, the Forum, when the Kings and the Lakers play there, was known as the Madhouse on Manchester. Right. And the Madhouse on Manchester, if you Google it, will also probably pop up with very famous new wave and, and post-punk uh, bands such as The Cure, such as Oasis, such as Blur, such as uh, The Smiths and, and Will Morrissey. And, and, and something that's very funny to me, if you translate Morrissey or Smith's lyrics into Spanish, uh, you essentially have a Vicente Fernandez song. Vicente Fernandez is a man who sings about heartbreak and and strong all the classic terms. Strong working class Hispanic. I'm, and, and and I'm not I'm not Mexican. G Gabriel here is, is Hispanic. My heritage comes from closer to South America, so my heritage what? comes from from Costa Rica and yeah. Colombia. Um, but it, it, the the Latin American culture is is very similar. Uh, uh, Generally stereotyped and, and 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 identified as the Mexican culture, especially in Los Angeles, because there's such a rich Mexican culture. The the, the pueblo of Los Angeles. If you ever get a chance, if you're here in a couple of days, you should go see Olvera Street, the old old town, Olvera yeah. Street, which is the very beginning of the pueblo of Los Angeles. Over so so the original name is uh, the pueblo of Los Angeles, so the Rio de Los Angeles. Uh, of Nuestra Señora de Los Angeles. The, the town of Los Angeles over the river of Los Angeles of Our Lady of the Angels. Um, 
founded by the, the, the Spanish king sent a bunch of Spanish priests and the Catholic Church up the Pacific coast and said, colonize these areas, build the missions. All the most important cities in California were originally what they call missions, which are churches, which were of the Catholic Church. So you have Santa Barbara, and you have Long Beach, and you have Mission Viejo, and you have San Diego, all of those named after some Catholic saints, built a church, colonized the people, showed them the Catholic religion, and those are the major cities. So Los Angeles, which was the first city to connect with a railway. So you want to talk about connection between Los Angeles and Manchester? Manchester is a twin city of Los Angeles. Why? Because all of the development, all of the industrial revolution of Los Angeles. I didn't know that. If you go to downtown Los Angeles, I didn't know that. Right outside City Hall, there's a big, beautiful sign that I love, and I have tons of pictures of it. I'll I'll share it with you. There's about seven cities on there. And Manchester's one. One of those is Manchester. London is not. Liverpool is not. Why? Why are we a sister city of Manchester? Because our entire heritage is founded on the Industrial Revolution, on the railway culture. The only reason that Los Angeles became the epicenter of development and, you know, manifest destiny, all these historical issues, we moved west looking for Los Angeles for two reasons. Because of gold was out here, the gold rush, and everybody came out here and they moved past Las Vegas. California's the golden state. Nevada, where Las Vegas is, is the silver state. Um, Everybody came here moving that. But the only reason they were connected to the East Coast, to the original colonies, the railway. The Santa Fe and Pacific Railroads connected the eastern United States to the western United States. The Alamo is important. Everybody names it because it has movies after it. But the reason the United States expanded all the way to the west coast because of the railway and the minorities built to the railway. And Los Angeles was a town of working class people. In fact, the term downtown comes from the fact that the working class lived up on the hills of what is now Bunker Hill, where uh, City Hall is, where you move up. And the center, the Metropolitan Center, was where Union Station is, where the railroad brought it in. So the term downtown, now applied to every major city in the United States, came from downtown is down that hill. I'm loving learning this against the backdrop of people in Manchester United shirts and flags from all around this area, although not downtown LA. Does anyone live in downtown LA? Oh, seems to be offices of people living downtown LA. A lot of us, in fact, uh, some of our no, but not in the central business core now. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. There, there's, there's a lot of people who live in the, in the very central business core of downtown Los Angeles. You have South Central. So you've met all of these friends through Manchester United? I have friends around the world now because of this club. Yeah. Um, um, you know, we, we talk about the connection between Los Angeles and Manchester because of the railway. You know, the L, Y, and R are literally what... The Santa Fe and Pacific Railways were to Los Angeles. In fact, Long Beach Harbor, which is the biggest and most important ocean-based harbor in the United States, Angel's Gate. And, and it's the working class people. In Los Angeles, we have the working class people. California is the fifth or sixth largest economy in the United States, all based on working class people and textiles, very similar to the industries that started in Manchester. The connection is, is uncanny. And the I people watching describe. soccer now, is it coming from the working class? Because yes. one, um, watching it, what about playing it? Because I spoke to a journalist in San Jose and he said, the kids playing soccer are middle class because they need the money for the soccer moms to take okay. them there. So, so, so this touches a, a broader spectrum. The way that the sport is managed professionally in the United States is a stark contrast and drastically different from the way that the sport is it's culturally. Good. Okay. In the way the sport. In order to play football in Los Angeles, we need a couple cones and we need a ball. Much harder to play yeah. baseball. Yeah. Uh, baseball is the American pastime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a massive Dodger fan. But you don't walk into any quarter of Los Angeles and have bases and have a field and Football's have 400 yards to, to do it. Football requires a lot of rules, requires many more people. Football is played by the grassroots, by the common people. In the United States, however, because of the college system, because of uh, uh, D1 and D2 and all the different things that we have, football is a pay-to-play system. 
tomorrow I'm going to the Los Angeles derby game. I believe it's called El Trafico. El Trafico. Yes. And I'm going yeah, to I'm going to write about it. It's a bit contrived. It is. It's a little bit of manufacturing. If you so, have to explain that you, derby, you literally in placed, one minute. And you actually if have, you have two supporters here in front of you. That I am an LAFC Gabriel's supporter. The head of, and you have uh, a Galaxy supporter. Here. LAFC's whatever the fuck they are. I am a uh, core member of the LAFC group for uh, the District Nine Ultras. Right. And William here is the season ticket holder for the Galaxy. Tomorrow, for those 90 minutes, we are not friends. <laughs> but for, right for those 90 minutes, <laughs> we are beyond rivals, damn near enemies. Um, you have to understand something. LAFC is to Los Angeles. What city is to Manchester? New upstarts, the money. Team. But beyond that, they haven't been around long enough. As Manchester United fans, and, and, and Gabriel and I will both say, you know, Manchester United is my wife, but the Galaxy is my girlfriend. <laughs> Gabriel is Gabriel, a diehard red, you support and LAFC United comes and second. LAFC. What attracted yes. you to LAFC one or two years ago? Because I'm told they recruited hard among people like you. I actually, my friends, like William here, I have never supported any MLS team any other year. They never interest me, even when Galaxy had players such as David Beckham, which is the reason why I started following United. When it came here, it still not grabbed my interest to follow an MLS side. But the reason LAFC got my attention was just a team just built from scratch that I can follow from day one in the heart of Los Angeles, centered in the, the working class of you know downtown. You and hear of course, that argument? That argument course. is literally a city fan telling me <laughs> that Old Trafford is not in Manchester. And that Manchester is not Manchester United because all this Gulf oil money has bought them a stadium and that they are more central to the city. That they have a tram stop at the city. That their stadium is newer and more beautiful. Anybody who cared about football in Los Angeles was here watching and trying to start this culture with Galaxy 15 years ago with the Galaxy well, 15 years is not that long in historical terms no no of course but the United States is only 280 years old I, I, I had a beer in a thousand year old pub in Bury yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're comparing two entirely different cultures you were once owned um, by Great Britain the United States well so the colonies are a little <laughs> bit where different I'm don't know where I'm going <laughs> with this <Yeah. laughs> um, um, so yeah, what two, I will say is supporters here in the MLS what, what, but what, today what I, will say we is, I, I was with David Beckham when we won a couple MLS championships when he brought big names and credibility to the league I will never stand here and argue with you that the MLS is on the level of the Premier League I would never choose the Galaxy over Manchester United, which is what gave me a passion for the sport. It's the people that I have a passion for, the city that I have a passion for. But I am from Los Angeles. This is my Preston North End. The, the class of 92 follows different clubs. This is, you know, FC United of Manchester. And my friend Gabriel Hill is trying to bring in NYFC. Boys, I thank you for your time. Enjoyed speaking to you. How would you like a free case of craft beer? Well, as a listener to our podcast, we'd like to thank you for listening. And with the help of our friends at beer52.com, we can provide a free case of draft beer. Just go to beer52.com forward slash united to claim a free case. Beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back to their members. There's a whole world of craft beer out there and this is your chance to get on board with discovering it. Every month focuses on a new country or theme and if you sign up now, you'll get a chance to try a case of the best of British craft beers as part of their summer bangers selection for free. It features the country's best craft brewers, such as Northern Monk, Ilkey, Red Willow and Thornbridge. You'll be able to read all about the beers and learn more about how they're made in the 100-page Ferment magazine, which is included in the box. As a listener to our podcast, you can try your first case for free. Just pay £2.95 postage. That's an incredible eight craft beers, Ferment magazine and a snack delivered with free next-day shipping. There's no minimum commitment. You can take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel any time. 
Beer 52 has a five-star rating on Trustpilot, so it's easy to see their members love the service. Just visit www.beer52.com forward slash united and claim your free case today. That's www.beer52.com forward slash united. There's lots of uh, American United fans here and I just heard an accent within this uh, area where United fans are having a good time before the game, which was definitely Manchester. Where are you from? What's your name? My name's Carl, originally from Salford in Manchester, now living in Huntington Beach, Southern California. How long have you been over here and what took you over here? I've uh, been in Southern California now for nearly 12 years and I got a job transfer when I worked for British Nuclear Fuel and they moved me over here to work for ExxonMobil, so can't complain. What do you miss about Manchester or Salford? There's not too much to miss from Salford apart from the people and a good kebab and fish and chips late at night. But that's, that's about it. The weather is amazing. And how often do you go home? How do you get your United fix? Usually go home two or three times a year. Me and my brother, we go... My brother still has a season ticket, so we'll go back to Old Trafford or we'll do an away game. And then we always try and do... Especially the last couple of years, now we've had a few semi-finals and finals we'll always go back and do a weekend in London for that so we're quite looking to still have connections to get us tickets but you can't complain <laughs> How are you feeling about this season with United? I have to say that I've been a season to goal since was six and uh, I think this is the best squad Man United have had since 2008 but I also have the worst feeling about this season than I've ever had in my entire life Why? I have a real fear that as much as everyone's going to hate it that I think Liverpool are going to win the league this year and City are going to win the Champions League and as long as we have Jose Mourinho as a manager we're going to really struggle to entertain the fans and that's going to make me as unpopular as hell but that's the fear right now But Liverpool don't win the league Well we can hope so we can hope they keep going and going because it's hilarious that they don't but my fear is that Mourinho is going to sell the young players that are talented and we're going to be really old second rate players that are in the end of their career like we seem to be buying all of a sudden Before you moved over where did you go inside Old Trafford what, so you have a season ticket my first season ticket was K-Stand we got moved when they created a family stand and then my season ticket my brother was always at the back end of the Stratford end just no two hours to kick off and <laughs> stood with a group of lads who come over one just come over with a very Manchester accent now lives in LA said you listen to all the podcasts what's your name and where you live in LA uh, my name's Dave but uh, people might know me as Tinny I used to go watch United regularly yeah. in the 80s in there must have been some characters about in the 80s tell me about one or two of them yeah uh, obviously the one that sticks out in my mind the most is uh, Paraffin Peak. We were going to uh, Norwich on a bank holiday uh, weekend to watch United and uh, we were driving down some country road in Norfolk somewhere. We were in a, uh, there was a van of us and uh, all of a sudden we seen this guy with his thumb out and we're driving past and someone goes, that's Paraffin, that's Paraffin. So Paraffin gets in the, in the bus, jumps in, gets in our, uh, in our van and comes to our bed and breakfast. So anyway, yeah, we're in the bed and breakfast. Paraffin paid for his bed and breakfast. No, One of the other lads didn't pay for his breakfast. I mean, sorry for his bed, bed and you know his boarding bed and room. So anyway, uh, paraffin. Uh, this lad said to paraffin, he said, "Hey, paraffin, you're sleeping in the uh, you're sleeping in the cupboard." And paraffin said, "Yes, I've slept in worse places before." Slept in a hedge on the way to Torquay once for a game that was postponed. Tony, tell me about a character going to the match from years gone by. Uh, well. Just to finish with Paraffin, I uh, remember him in Tokyo actually, and uh, he was there in a George Best t shirt, uh, a pair of shorts, and uh, he threw up down his t shirt, and it was, a, it was the only shirt he had for the whole trip. And uh, that was Pete. He was he, his mother had just passed. Uh, God bless her. And uh, that was how he afforded to go to Tokyo. But amazing character. Everybody just loved him. Anyone uh, else other than Pete? Well, werewolf. Uh, werewolf. Uh, he was a, a much older guy than myself who uh, used to go up on the uh, train with the Cockney Reds. And he had a, a face full of hair. It was it was a beard out of control, really. And uh, he. he he worked. Uh, he worked in the sewers, and um, he would share the compartment on the train with us. And uh, it was absolutely awful. I mean, he stunk to high heaven, and uh, he was one of these characters that was really larger than life. Nobody knew where he lived, where he was from, or anything else. But, uh, so I'm going to head into the ground now. Third pre-season friendly. 
United against AC Milan. I'm walking into the stadium with Scott French. I sat next to Scott last year. He's uh, an American soccer journalist, but he would probably be appalled at me describing it as soccer journalist because yeah, he's been... Is that fair? I think that's fair, yeah. I, I, I do soccer more than anything else. Okay, but you've been writing about soccer, football, um, for 30, 40 years, yes. long, long time before um, MLS kicked off in 1996. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was since the late 70s. The crowds are down a little bit this year um, on these... Well, certainly Manchester United's two first games. Why do you think that is? A weaker squad and maybe a post-World Cup hangover? You know, I also think we, we've been going through, and, and, and you know, by all, by all accounts, this is just going to get worse and worse. We're going through a heat wave, and I think a lot of people are staying away just to stay in some place where it's air conditioning. I think that, that affects it. I'm also wondering how much of there is a uh, World Cup hangover. Um, you know, we watched the World Cup uh, maybe not quite as closely as you guys did back at home for, for good reason. But, you know, the, we did watch it and, and there was so much soccer. And that the U.S. wasn't there, I think, also maybe put a little bit of a anti-buzz on things. That's the only things I can think of because otherwise, why wouldn't you? I mean, this game's being played here rather than the Rose Bowl. And I, you know, this is a great stadium, but yeah. it's 27,000 seats. The Rose Bowl seats 90,000. And on Saturday, the Rose Bowl, they've got Tottenham and Barcelona sit playing in front of 90,000. This is Milan and Manchester United. Yeah. How is it not getting a crowd like that? That just boggles my mind. But it just isn't. Uh, well, maybe because it's the fourth time in fifth years that Manchester United have played in California. It could be, but, you know, there's so many Manchester United fans here. I'm also wondering how much of it is that, you know, Manchester United uh, was in a particular position in world football, and they're not in that position at the moment right now. And in fact, they're not in that, they're the number two team in their city right now. And I'm wondering how much does that kind of play into it as well, that, that some of the gloss is off. I mean, I'm, I'm a big AC Milan fan back from the days when they had the three Dutchmen. I mean, I've rooted for them since then, although Fiorentina is my real team. Um, how can you root for two Italian teams? <laughs> well, Fiorentina is my team, but but I love those three Dutchmen. So when they play each other, I'm rooting for Fiorentina. <laughs> I've been researching Milan's decline in the last 24 hours. It's pretty stark. It really is, and it's it's I, pretty sad. I mean, this was one of the biggest clubs of all time, and they're just not an issue anymore. And and you know that's that could be part of today too. If if you had a more attractive, you know, if this was the game against Real Madrid, we'd be at the Rose Bowl right now. How's Latin Ibrahimovic doing in Los Angeles? He's doing great. You know, he's uh, he's been playing very well. It took a, it took about a, a month for him to get into shape, and it took about another month for everyone to kind of figure out what's the best way to play with him because it kind of disrupted what the team was about. They they found themselves now in a three four one two alignment with uh, with Zlatan up front with Ola Kamara, and it's working. They're playing a direct style rather than a possession game, and their attack looks great. If they could get rid of some defensive miscues, they could win the championship. Tomorrow I'm going to the LA Derby, LAFC against LA Galaxy. I'll be there too. Uh, what should I expect? I think you can expect a very, very passionate LAFC crowd that is all over the galaxy. It's, it's going to be like nothing that we've seen in this town before in soccer just because Chivas USA never had the kind of following that LAFC has. And how have LAFC picked up 20,000 match-going fans? seemingly out of nothing. Are they former followers of Chivas? Is this a brilliant marketing campaign? I think it's a little bit of both. One is they've done, their community outreach has been amazing. I, it, they've kind of set a standard that everyone should should go after. They went after the community and they made the community feel like, hey, you're part of us. They've done a big thing about we are the team in LA. We're Los Angeles' team. We're right here in the heart of the city. You know, we're the team to, to, to follow. You do have a lot of the Chivas USA fans that followed, but also people who hadn't followed MLS before but follow but follow international soccer from all over Southern California. And they, you know, they maybe didn't feel uh, like Galaxy fans. So, hey, let's try this out. And it's really, it's really worked wonders. It's the morning after the game. Manchester United beat Milan 9-8 on penalties. I think there were 26 penalties in total. Came round to players taking them for a second time. Andreas Pereira scored twice, and he played well as he has done throughout the preseason. United played better than in the previous games. Crowd was 21,000. The stadium holds 27,000. So, demanding tickets uh, on for tickets is definitely down on previous seasons, and I've explained the reasons why. Uh, another one was given to me last night um, about the, the the heat and. United will now move on to Ann Arbor in Michigan.
I've been told off for pronouncing Michigan wrong on the podcast, so I will get it right. I promise by Saturday I'll get it right. I'm still in LA. I'm driving with my friend who lives here, uh, Andrea. He's a Milan fan, and we're driving along Mulholland Drive, like you do, at the back of Hollywood. So it's a bit different from the car park at Stoke. Uh, Andrea used to play for a football team which I ran. I plucked him out of semi-pro football in Northern Italy when he was 22. And he now lives in Los Angeles. Andrea, uh, you're calling me Gaffer from now on. Pro Gaffer. Um, and well, you, you once played for a team called Manchester, didn't you? The team we ran? Absolutely, absolutely. Manchester La Fianna. A great fun for a few years. Definitely. Load of lads. We had a famous German novelist in goal. Then we had a lad called The Wolf from Withenshaw. <laughs> we had a lad who played for, for Belgium at 16s, 18s. And Anderlecht. He, Anderlecht, he sent his CV in. We had one guy who, uh, after one month, his, his wife said to me, can I just thank you for making my husband feel so welcome? He's, he's enjoying his football more than at any time since he played for the national team. <laughs> and this was an amateur, an amateur team. I said, what? And uh, she said, yeah, he, he played for Belize. So it's a small country, but he, he was the captain of Belize. What was great was, because the internet was up and running with search engines, if anyone bullshitted you, you could just find out straight away. And I found that as a manager, the best players were the ones who kept their mouth shut, turned up, whereas the ones who were terrible were the ones who boasted wildly about their previous exploits. But we had a great team and we had, we had uh, great fun and friendships have endured. And I can remember you being, you know, this was 2007, Milan were the best team in the world. I can remember you going to Athens for the final against Liverpool and, and wishing you well. And you had the best team in the world. And now, I don't want to get a downer on you, but Milan's league finishes in the last five seasons have been, I think, 13th, 8th, 5th, 6th, 6th. It's really sad for me. How does it feel when you're a fan? Your, your midfield in 2005, I think, was Kaka, Pirlo, Seedorf. Who else? Who have I missed? You had Maldini, you had Shevchenko, you had uh, Ernan Crespo. Oh, yeah. um, Crespo on the bench. Crespo on the bench? Yeah, yeah. Inzaghi on the bench, in, too. People, yeah. So how does it feel like Cafu on the bench. Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, it feels like uh, another world, another era, you know? I mean, it feels, feels terrible. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Been like that now for quite some time. So yeah. I'm saying, I'm get you know, got used to it. So, but still, it, it's sad. It's sad here, you know, in LA where nobody really knows about AC Milan unless you know they know about football. Yeah. All they know is Real Madrid, Manchester United, Barcelona, and you know English and Spanish teams. But and Milan now we're in Milan. We're in that bracket in 2005. And now they've fallen down from it. Attendance is a, a lower. You don't own the stadium. I find it really sad. I think you wanted a great. I'll give you an example. 30 years ago, in 1988, Manchester United had to pay AC Milan to come and play a friendly at Old Trafford because English teams were banned from Europe. And I went to that game and I was so excited about seeing your, your Dutchman. Van Basten, Golid. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and this Manchester United paid now. This, you know, there's been a complete, a complete reversal. What? Um, and I looked at the Milan team last night, and I knew, I knew like Suso didn't make it at Liverpool. Your goalkeeper, um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name. Very good, but and Bonucci's excellent. Uh, I've liked him a lot when he played at Juventus, and I've been told good things about him. That he's, he's a warrior. He's really yeah. committed. Uh, but it's so, so sad. What's life like living in LA? There's a lot of Brits over here, no? Yeah, a lot of Brits, yes. And, um, you know, you feel, one hand, like, isolated because, you know, you're far from everything. And, and you know, it's uh, it's closer for me to, it's easier for me to go to Japan than, than back to Italy. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a melting pot. A lot of people from all over the world. Yes, a lot of Brits. Um, I and actually live musicians. Musicians, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I live close by this very cool uh, English pub called the Pikey, yeah. and uh, and that's where many musicians, British musicians, hang out. Uh, Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys. I, I see see him. Uh, you know him? 
I've, I've met him, I've met him and uh, first time I met him here in LA a few years ago, I told him about the story when I saw him in concert uh, in 2006 during the, the release of their first album, they were you know, becoming famous and in a small uh, club in Modena in Italy, after the gig we were playing soccer together with the band and he remembered it and, uh, and you know, we had a nice chat and then I, uh, I saw him uh, some other few times, always with the fellow of the last Shadow Puppets, uh, Miles Kane. Yeah. And you know, they, you can talk to them, and they're very cool. I mean, I, I love their music, so <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Some... I can't wait to go see them actually at the Hollywood Bowl in, in October. Can't I, wait. I saw them a few weeks ago. They were brilliant. Really, he just dips in and out of character. He's a great band. Very talented young man. Um, great performer. You know, it's it's a good show to go to go see. I think. Um, Modena is, I went to Modena to meet Crespo a couple of years ago, he was briefly manager there and a former Manchester United player, Massimo Taibi, was the goalkeeper. Oh yeah, coach. former Milan also. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mil, um, he was the third goalkeeper at that time, that's, you know, and then he went to Manchester. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was strange for everybody, including him, I think. Um, Modena is, Ferrari's from Modena, no? Yeah. Stone Island's from just outside Modena. Exactly, yeah, um, yeah. What else is Modena? I went, Modena was beautiful. Oh, Lamborghini. Uh, Maserati. Yeah, they're all from there. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I, I went by bus and took a <laughs> took a bus from from Modena to Bologna Airport. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, but Crespo was a bright guy. Was that great, a, great football. I love like an upper middle class footballer. You don't get many of them. No, no. But that says that says a lot about the the level of of the English of the sorry of the Italian football now. I mean, these players they were, you know, the normality. Okay, yeah. and can you imagine like a player, you know, like Crespo now in the Italian league? I mean, like, absolutely brilliant. That was, you know, every team almost like or the, la the the top ten teams they had a player like Crespo. Yeah. Now you just have Iguain, who himself is like he's not in his prime now, yeah. and you know, well now you know we got Ronaldo out of a miracle, uh, and we'll yeah, see. Yeah, Palmer had Aspria, Juan Sebastian Verón, Jesper Blomquist. Crespo, I think, was at Parma. Yeah, uh, but that, that's Zola, one team. Yeah, Zola, Zola was at Parma. And that's one Zola. small team. The, the bench also. Yeah, that's close <laughs> to where you're from, Parma, no? Uh, yeah, I'm from Reggio Emilia, which is um, uh, south of Parma. Didn't you tell me Parma once made you an offer to go there. Yeah, I was. When you were a kid. Yeah, I was 12 years old. Yeah, one of my biggest regrets. I, you know, I felt that Parma was too far. 15 minutes drive to join the academy. <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes, you know. 20 minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's another city. I have my friends here, I don't want to go. And my parents didn't, you know, didn't care that much, so they said, okay, you know, fair enough. What did you make of Manchester United last night in I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game, you know, man. I mean, you don't see, I don't, I don't go see football here. I mean, I've, I've been to a couple of Galaxy games, but I mean, the level is like, it's, it's very poor. You know, it's almost embarrassing, I have to say. They still have a long way to go for soccer here in United States. So it was amazing to see Milan, even though, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, it's not a great team now, but it was great to see two, you know, real football teams. And I enjoyed it. Actually, I, I think it was a lovely game. I better than what I expected. And uh, so. And your son with his Milan shirt on age seven. Yeah, he loved nice. it. He loved it. Actually, he loved it Did because he? yeah, we were close to a, a group of uh, Milan supporters who was like chanting. And you know, you don't get to see these things when you go see baseball or Lakers. You know, like the only thing that they, they sing here is defense. Defense. That's it. And do you go and watch the Lakers? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Lakers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Both my son and I were big fan. Yeah, because Kobe Bryant, who was the star here, actually grew up in my hometown in Italy, in Reggio Emilia. Yeah, well, Reggio's a, a basketball yeah, town. It's yeah, it's a basketball town, and and Kobe Bryant grew up there because his father, Jelly Bean Bryant, who himself had been an NBA star, uh, towards the end of his career, uh, came to Reggio to play for a few years, and he played for other Italian teams, but. Kobe spent the majority of his time in Reggio. So did you ever know him? I met him here. I met him here at a party. I met him here at a party, and and um, and I I caught his attention speaking in Italian. I said, "Hey, Kobe, uh, I'm from Reggio." And he, you know, I think he was talking to like I don't know, like <laughs> the Tim Barton of like you know, like an actor, like you know. 
top eight celebrity and like he completely like moved his intention to me say what you're from Reggio yeah I'm like you know friend of and I mentioned one of his like uh, great friends said no way and we started talking and it, the funny thing is that people couldn't really understand what language he was speaking so like what, what, what's he like who is he speaking to and he's still fluent in Italian and I think he still has a little bit of accent from you know where I'm from so yeah great guy and and um, I remember you invited me to a party here in 2015 when I went to watch United play in Pasadena so I couldn't come to the party and it was full of A-listers yeah, it was a, the launch of a film. Yeah, I and think you, it was. And you, you, you uh, came home the next Hercules, day yeah. and told me that all these A-list actresses were there. <laughs> and I'm watching fucking Manchester United in a pre-season friendly. But you've got to support your team. Exactly, exactly, man. That's what you got. Who wants to lie down with uh, Jennifer Lawrence when you can be watching? <laughs> I don't know. Right, I'm going to carry on uh, and fly now. Well, first of all, I'm going to the LA derby. And then I'm gonna. Fly. El Tráfico. El Tráfico. It's a, it's a pretty contrived name, but I can really believe it in this city. The traffic is heavy. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant name for the derby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then on to Ann Arbor, where I'll bring you the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website, redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.